I hope you don't take that for granted today. Our scripture today is found in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, we'll be looking at verses 11 through 19. I encourage you to take your Bible, your electronic version, or whatever you have there. Turn to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. If you didn't bring your Bible, we'll put the scriptures up on the PowerPoint for you today. I have a question for you. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most, are you grateful for the blessings of God? Do you live your life with an understanding that you deserve nothing? That everything you have is a gift of God and you're grateful. You're grateful for the air you breathe, for the life you live. You're grateful for His presence, for His salvation. You're overwhelmed by the reality that God loves even you. And you're over here at 10. You're grateful for the blessings of God. Or you over here at one, you, you take for granted the blessings of God. You live your life as if you were entitled to all that you have. I, I think sometimes growing up in the church, that's a problem for us. When we grow up in the church, we're raised and we hear great music. We come to worship and we take for granted the blessings of God that are around us every single day. Where are you at on the scale? Do you take for granted the blessings of God, one, or are you way over here? Understand that you deserve nothing, and yet everything you have is a gift from God. Turn with me now to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It's a story where Jesus heals ten lepers. Now on his way to Jerusalem, and this was a time of transition in the life of Jesus. Jesus traveled along the border, which means... He was kind of staying out of the public eye. He was kind of on the outskirts of the town. And it was at that time, between Samaria and Galilee, as he was going to the village, that ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, the scripture says, and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. On us. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that leprosy was the dreaded fear disease. You see, the people of that time thought that leprosy was contagious. And so if you were found to be a leper, you were cast out. And that meant you were cast out from your family. You were cast out from your job. You couldn't hold a job. You couldn't make a wage. You were cast out from culture. And matter of fact, in many cultures, you would have to walk through the streets ringing a bell letting people know that you were a leper so they could keep their distance from you. You were religiously an outcast. You were considered to be unclean. You could not go and worship in the temple. And the lepers cried out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, And this is a really interesting statement. You see, Jesus saw them at a distance. He said, go show yourself before the priest. Which really is kind of odd. Why would you go show yourself before the priest? Because nothing had yet happened. And yet Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And this is where the story gets interesting. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, 
they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw what had saw he was healed, came back. And, and we often call this guy the returner. Praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, for he was a Samaritan. After he had finished thanking, Jesus asked him a very important question. Jesus asked, were there not ten? Were there not ten? Where are the other nine? You see, nine missed the opportunity to express their gratitude, to thank Jesus for the blessing. Oh, I'm sure that they probably were grateful. They probably told their family members and their friends, but they did not come back to Jesus to express their gratitude. Verse 18. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I'm afraid that we live in a world of entitlement. We see it every day in our advertisement. Andrew and all the lawyer stuff. Get what you deserve. I I hate that term. Because we deserve nothing. Everything that we have is a gift from God. And yet, advertising appeals to that. We think we deserve our pizza in 30 seconds or 30 minutes or less. We, we deserve unlimited data. We, we need an SUV because of our family. We need to make sure they're protected and cared for. And, and so we live in a world of entitlement. It's, it's kind of the way that we were raised. And I'm afraid that far too often we take for granted the blessings of God. We take for granted the simple things. The fact that we wake up every morning there's been a roof over our head and we were dry through the night. That when we go into the shower, the shower is hot. That we have a toilet that actually flushes. The fact that we have heat in the winter and air conditioning in the summer. There are so many things and all of us who have been on mission trips, we, we understand that. We know that we're a privileged people. We take for granted our health, our friends, our church, our community, the talent, the gifts, the abilities of one another. You see, we live in a world filled with entitlement. And if we're not grateful, if we're not careful, we can become ungrateful for the blessings of God. You see, the lack of gratitude is almost impossible for us to see in the mirror. Oh, we know when we're jealous. We know when we're angry. We know when we're frustrated. We know when we're struggling with issues of self-esteem. When we feel insecure. When we feel nervous. But ungrateful. Matter of fact, if someone was to come to you and say, you know, you're really ungrateful, you would immediately become defensive. I'm not ungrateful. I'm a very grateful person. It's hard for us to see the attitude of ungratefulness in ourselves. It has been said that the original sin was a direct result of the failure to be grateful. Think about that. Adam and Eve, they were there in the garden. They had everything they would ever need. God had provided for them, blessed them. Oh, there was one tree, and they were told to stay away from that tree. And Satan comes in and says, God is holding back on you. You are entitled to something. It is owed to you.
You see, we live in a world full of entitlement. Have you ever gone to a lot of trouble planning? Planning a very special event? Barely to be barely acknowledged for your efforts? You planned, you saved, you prepared, you thought out every single detail? You worked like crazy to surprise someone, to bless someone, to honor someone? You didn't do it to be thanked. You did it because out of a heart of love because you wanted to give. But it would have been nice to be thanked. Every mother who sets the table the night before for a big dinner and and then has their children say ten minutes after the meal's been served and they've eaten all that they can eat, raise their hand and say, may I be dismissed? Wonders. Did they really even care? Imagine how God feels. When he gives us life, he gives us his love, he gives us his presence, his blessings. He gives us his son, Jesus Christ, to walk among us and live and to die on an old rugged cross and pay the price for our sins. Are you a returner? Are you grateful for the blessings of God that he's bestowed upon you? Or are you like me sometimes, you just kind of take it for granted? You see, when you dig up the root of entitlement, gratitude will grow in the good soil of a fertile heart. Gratitude will change how you see the past. I think of the sinful woman. Jesus said, He who has been forgiven much loves much. There was a depth of love there. I had a friend, his name's Ronnie Basham. He's struggling with cancer right now. He was at our youth group, it was one of my sponsors in the youth group at Springdale and his kids were in my youth group and, and he was a bricklayer just common as common can be, he was on the board when Ronnie spoke people listened Ronnie was pretty much illiterate, he didn't read a lot uh, if he read at all it was just his Bible uh, and he was this common sense guy who God saved in his time through the Marines. There was a great deal of sin in his life, but the Lord redeemed him from all that. And the depth of love that this man had for mankind and for his Lord and Savior spilled out on the world around him. And even though he was as common as common can be, and there were businessmen and executives and bankers and lawyers on our board When Ronnie spoke, people listened. Because they knew that Ronnie was in touch with the Savior. You see, when we find ourselves in a position of gratitude, we begin to experience God more moment by moment. When we allow ourselves to understand we deserve nothing and everything that we have is a gift from Him, then everything in life we we no longer take for granted. And we rejoice in that and we thank Him for that. It's a posture of worship. It's, It's understanding who He is, the eternal God. 
the lover of my soul, the provider of salvation and eternity. And it's out of that heart of gratitude that we begin to love as Christ encourages us to love. It's a posture of worship and praise. You see, gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends. You see, when we grasp that, when we begin to understand what is it you deserve, you deserve nothing, then everything is a blessing. I do a lot of marriage counseling, and, and over the years we, we meet with couples and we talk about you know, their desires the things that they hope for, the things that they wish for. And often I'll hear them talking about what they envision. You know, they'll talk about how we envision using our time. We, you know, we desire, we desire that uh, we'll have more time together. That's a common thing that I hear. And then we talk about, well, whose parents are you going to be with at Thanksgiving? Whose parents are you going to be with at Christmas, and you begin to talk about how you're going to manage your time, and, and you have an idea of what that will look like, and you begin to plan and think about those things. And, and you talk about things like whether you're going to have children. If so, how many children do you desire? Often there's the division of, of work. You know, who will do the house cleaning, and who will do the, the maintenance and the mowing and all that type of things. And you, you kind of have a desire in the way that you see that happen. You're envisioning that happening. And there are different roles and different expectations of different people. You talk about what you see as your future home, your desire for that, and, and what that looks like for you. Sometimes it's, you know, I hope that we get to that place where maybe we can afford a nice truck or a nice sports car. I, I desire these things. But something happens when you walk down the aisle and you say, I do, and you walk out and all of a sudden these desires become what? Expectations. But you're my wife. That's what I expect a wife to do. My mo- because, you know, because my mother, you know, my mother, you're my husband. That, that's what I expect you to do. Because, well, my dad, as a matter of fact, when I said, I do, I thought you would. <laughs> that's what I expect. And even if you get the things that you desire, It's only what you expected. And it's never just quite enough. It's kind of like, it's like our mortgage. I've been paying on my mortgage for 21 years. And not once have I got a a letter from my bank saying, Rex, I want to let you know how grateful we are for your faithful payments for 21 years. Not once have you missed a payment. And we just wanted to send you this note to say thank you. No, you don't get a thank you from your mortgage company because that's what's expected of you. And how many times do we say, well, that's what I expected. That's what wives do. That's what I expect. That's what husbands do. And it doesn't matter. Even if we get what we desired, it's still quite not enough. And we live in this world of expectations, and there's no room for grace. And we find ourselves over here in a world of entitlement. 
not really appreciating the blessings that are all around us. Romans 5.21 says, Submit to yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, when I revere who God is, it changes my relationships. And now, when you, do, when you fulfill those things that I desire, am I like the ten, the nine, or am I like the one? Am I a returner? In my life, do I say thank you for the blessings of God around me? Do I say thank you to God? And I understand the blessings. Everything I have is a gift from God. Or do I live my life in a debt-debtor relationship? If you will, I will. If you'll do this, I'll do that. It's like a contract. And in this contract, you know, it's a matter of measuring up. If you do this, I'll do that. And you're never quite there. And there's no gratitude, no room for gratitude. Because I expect it. You know, the the light company and the gas company, they expect you to pay your bill. Matter of fact, if you don't pay your bill, you'll hear from them. They'll call you and let you know, hey, you missed a payment. And if you miss enough payments, they'll show up at your house. Turn off that power or turn off that electricity. Turn off that cable. Because it's a contract. But we've entered into a covenant with the Lord. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our spirit, and our neighbors ourselves. So where are you at? On a scale of 1 to 10, are you 10 over here? Grateful for the blessings of God? Or if you're honest, you're more in the middle or way over here. I have to be honest, Pastor Rex, I'm afraid far too often I live a life of entitlement and I fail to recognize the blessings and share those blessings and my gratitude to those around me for his many blessings. You see, a life filled with gratitude distinguishes us from the wicked. Did you hear that? A life filled with gratitude distinguishes us from the wicked who although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But in their thinking became fruitful, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Gratitude also generates generosity. How many of you have been on mission trips and you've gone and you planned and you prepared and you gave your time, your talents and your resources and the family that you built a house for or cared for or the church that you went and blessed, they were so overwhelmed by your generosity and by, your gratitude, by all that you did that they were just so grateful. They couldn't say enough to say how grateful they were for the way that you had blessed them. You walk away from that opportunity and you think, you know, I give them the shirt off my back. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to leave my backpack and my clothes and everything that I have because they need it more than I. And you just want to do more and more. But in the same sense, you can go and do a mission trip and, and the people feel entitled. You walk away and think, I'm not sure why we did that. Oh, it was good that we did it. We're, we're to be His hands and His feet. And yet there's, you see, gratitude gener- generates generosity. 
And we've all experienced that. First Thessalonians says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. When I was at Lake Avenue, uh, when we came from Springdale to Lake Avenue, uh, Promise Keepers was really uh, strong in popularity and, and had a major impact on the Christian community. Men coming together and worshiping God together and being challenged to be men, to be the spiritual leaders of their home. It was a wonderful movement across the country. And one of the things Promise Keepers did was to teach men to be grateful for their pastors, to pray for their pastors. Matter of fact, we want you to go home and tell your pastor how much they are loved. That had a major impact on me. I, I began for the first time hearing people, parents and, and teenagers, saying, Pastor Rex, we appreciate you. When we came to Lake Avenue in 94, I would plan trips and do activities, and kids would get off the bus or the motor coach, and, and I would hear them say, thank you. For all that you've done. Thank you for planning this trip. Thank you for being there this week. There was a spirit of gratitude. It made me want to be a better youth pastor. You see, for a lot of years, I uh, served and very rarely would ever hear a thank you. Because I was paid. That's your job. You're supposed to love teenagers. That's your job. You're supposed to care for my kids. That's your job. That's what we hire you to do. But promise keepers helped our layman to understand the importance of expressing gratitude. And that meant all the world to me. As kids would get off the bus and say, Pastor X, thank you for your time. Thank you for your investment this week. The scripture goes on to say, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all things. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks. Do you give thanks in all things? Thank you, Lord. I realize that I deserve nothing and everything I have is a gift from you. It's interesting to note it says in all things. It doesn't say for all things. We don't say, Lord, thank you for the cancer. We say, Lord, thank you for being in all and being with us through it all. And we learn to trust in Jesus and we hold on to him tight. And and we know that he walks with us and has provided for us and cares for us. For this is God's will for you, the scripture says in Christ Jesus. The theologian W.T. Perkheiser said, It is not what we say about our blessings, but how we use them is the measure of our thanksgiving. It's not what you say about your blessings, but how you use them. You see, the reality is we really have been entitled in many ways. God has blessed us and given us many gifts. But how do we use those gifts? 
One returned, but the nine did not. Oh, they felt it. They, they felt gratitude, I'm sure. I'm sure that they were grateful for the healing of God in their life, but they didn't return to Christ to say thank you. Let me tell you what's going on in many of your relationships. You feel gratitude, and yet you haven't expressed it. And you see, this is dangerous. Because unexpressed gratitude can be hurtful. You told your wife, you told your boss how great your wife is. You've told your husband, you've told your best friend how great your husband is. You've told your teachers how great your parents are. But when was the last time you expressed your gratitude? There's somebody in your life standing around saying, Weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? You see, here's the principle. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. You see, it's almost impossible to see in ourselves. But unexpressed gratitude is actually a form of rejection. If we're not careful, it can break down relationships. Just like the nine lepers, so often we are future-oriented and we move on. I am so guilty of this as a pastor. I'm always thinking of the next big thing, failing to slow down enough to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being God's hands this week. Thank you for being God's feet. Thank you for being the voice of the Lord. I have a video that I'd like to share with you at this time. Shut up. <laughs> what? Wait. Wait. Oh, it's going to be so embarrassed. 